0: God's precious grace, his mercy, and his peace be multiplied to each and every one of us this day from our Lord and from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text comes to us from the book of Matthew, the 28th chapter, reading from the 16th verse as follows. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you to the end of the age. These are the words of our text. Dear friends in Christ Jesus, How do you know it's true? How do you know it's true? Most of us have heard of the Holy Trinity for all of our lives. But how do you know it's true? Each time we have attended worship services here or at other Christian churches, we have heard it begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Many of you were married under the blessings of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You were baptized by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And some of you have laid loved ones to rest with the blessing of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I told my confirmands for many years, if a church doesn't begin the service in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, leave. It's not a Christian church. Christians are familiar with the words. But do you understand the Trinity? I hope your answer is no, because I don't. And I don't know anybody who can fully explain the Trinity. Oh, we have those symbols like the triangle, three points on a one unit. And we even maybe talk about uh, water being ice and steam and liquid, but to really comprehend how three people can be in one divine essence, well, as I say, that's beyond me. And I think it's beyond you, too. Today is Trinity Sunday, as we mentioned earlier in the service. We celebrate a doctrine, which is the only Sunday in the church here we do that. We celebrate a doctrine as opposed to a specific action of Jesus or of the apostles. A doctrine that we confess every Sunday in the creeds, as we all do in just a few moments. Doctrine of God the Father who created us, God the Son who redeemed us, God the Holy Spirit who lives in our hearts, sanctifies us, and keeps us in the one true faith. A doctrine. But how do you know it's true? How do you know that this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the one and only true God? Our text from Matthew 28 speaks about baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In other places in Scripture, the doctrine of the Trinity is clearly proclaimed, and that's why we believe it. That's how we know it's true, because Scripture declares it so. We can't prove it, but we believe it because it's taught in Scripture. And the Holy Spirit filled our heart at the time of our baptism with that same spirit and belief. And every time you come to this communion rail and receive the very body and blood of Jesus Christ, you confess again the belief in the true God. But you can't prove it. As a matter of fact, no one can even prove the existence of God. Well, Paul talks about it being plainly seen in the universe, all the things that are up there, the sky, the moon, and all the the beautiful things of, of spring that are coming to life. But you can't prove it which is why some persons at the time of Christ doubted. God has always and always will be a matter of faith. Faith. Faith that lives in your heart and mine. Faith. Even amongst those who are privileged to meet Jesus face to face, the disciples, our text said in verse 17, but some doubted. Well, they didn't doubt that they were seeing Jesus. What they doubted, of course, is, was Jesus really God? Some people thought, and still do, that he was a great teacher, maybe even a prophet of a God, but that he was God? Well, we heard in the gospel lesson, the Jews did not believe it. They thought he was demon-possessed. And when he said, before Abraham was, I am, that really made him mad. That's why they were going to stone him, because you know what I am means? Yahweh, the true God. He called himself God. Now, we don't understand that because we don't know the Hebrew or the Greek. But that's what he said, I am. You remember what God answered when Moses asked him, who should I tell you is sending me? What did he say? I am has sent you. That's the name of God, the name he gave himself. And so they wanted to stone him because he had blasphemed. He had called himself God. Well, that's true also of today. Today. We don't stone God many people just ignore him persons have heard about Jesus they they know the name but they don't believe in who he was and who he is and who he always will be because believing requires faith believing the Holy Trinity requires faith childlike faith we're told in Scripture I want to tell you a story, it's a true story, and maybe some of you have heard it before because I've shared this with many people, but it's such a powerful witness to faith that I want to share it again. It was uh, many years ago, I was a teacher at the time, and one of my students came down with a serious case of bone cancer. So I began to visit Jeff in his home, and we'd have lessons or talks or whatever, kind of fit the day. One particular Sunday afternoon, I called Jeff, or called the house, and his mother answered, and she said, Jeff had had a rough night the night before, but maybe my visit would be comforting or uplifting to him, and she said, why don't you come out? And so I did, I found Jeff kind of reclining on a couch with a blanket over him. And uh, that day I decided to share the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now you remember the story, of course, Uh, they were three of the men who had been taken captive during the Babylonian captivity and they had risen in power to some extent. And therefore, the local Babylonians were jealous of them. And when King Nebuchadnezzar decided to build this statue, or they kind of prompted him to do that and have everybody bound down to it, they refused to do that. And so he had them brought before the fiery furnace, which was the penalty for anyone who refused to bow down to him. And King Nebuchadnezzar looked at them and said, Now I'll give you one more chance to bow down. Or you're going in the fiery furnace. Well, they said to him, and I quote, O Nebuchadnezzar, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is also is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your God or bow down to him. At that point, I said to Jeff, I said, do you realize what they said? I said, they said that God could save them from that fiery furnace, but even if he didn't, even if they burned up in the fire, they were good with that because they weren't going to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's statue. And I looked at Jeff and I said, Jeff, do you think you have that kind of faith? He paused. He looked at me. He said, I think I have that kind of faith. Well, we had a prayer, and I said goodbye. And I was preparing for my lessons the next morning in my classroom, and the pastor came in and said, during the night, Jeff went to meet the Lord. I have never in my life been more sure of a young person being in heaven than I was that morning with Jeff. He trusted that if the Lord wanted, he could heal his cancer, but if not, he would take him to heaven, and that was enough for Jeff. We all know passages like, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But we wonder is it all true? Why would a God let his Son die for us, such sinners like you and me? But he did. Because he created us and he promised Adam and Eve that he would. And he did just like he promised. And he crushed Satan's head. Oh, yes, his heel was bruised, but he would rise again. That's the truth of scripture. That's the truth of the God we worship as father, son and Holy Spirit. And we receive that faith from that Holy Spirit. lives within each and every one of us is alive that's what the writer of the Hebrews talks about in Hebrews 11 when he says now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things never seen and he goes on in that same chapter and he said by faith we understand that the universe was formed by God yes we believe that God is the creator of all things Yes, in seven days. Six to do it and one to rest. Not because he needed the rest, but because the creation needed the rest. That we believe by faith. And he goes on still in verse 13 and he says, All these people, the people he had listed there in Hebrews 11, still lived by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance as you and I, perhaps, will pass out of this world. But we see through the eyes of faith what God has done for you. And so, like Jeff, you are sure of where you're going. It's okay to walk through the fiery furnace, because God will be there with his open arms to greet you on the other side. The Lutheran Church is a sacramental church. It doesn't matter whether you feel Jesus. We're not a feeling, touchy-feely church. We're a sacramental church. You receive faith through baptism. You receive faith as you hear and study the word, whether at home or here at church or wherever you're at. The word is efficacious. It achieves what God wants it to achieve, that's what that means. It lives, it's alive. And you receive again the promise at this communion rail. Yes. We are not a church of feelings. We are a church of truth and life. Story is told about a truck driver who came across around a round bend in a winding mountain road, and he saw. The guardrail had been crashed through, so he quickly stopped his truck at the side of the road and got out, and he looked to see if there was something he could do. And over the edge, he noticed there was a car hanging on a big boulder about 20 feet down. So he quickly ran back to the truck, and he got a rope, and he went down to where the car was hanging there precariously, and he saw that there was still a driver behind the driver's seat, injured but still alive. And so he said to the fellow, Come out the window and jump into my arms and I will rescue you. And the fellow looked out and all he could see was a huge drop-off. And he said, I can't, I'm afraid. But the truck driver said, You've got to. The car that you're in is about to tip over the edge of the cliff and you're going to be dead for sure. I can't, I won't leave the car. The truck driver said, realizing the only way he could get him out, and he swung next to the door and grabbed the man and pulled him out and took him up the side of the cliff to safety. That's kind of a picture of what Jesus did for you and me. No, there's more to what Jesus had to do, of course, because he had to die. But he reached into our sin and grabbed us out of that and pulled us to the safety Of a life of faith that's our Savior Jesus sent by God and living inside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit Jesus is the only pathway to life he is the true God Father Son and Holy Spirit one day the disciples were arguing over which one was the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You remember that silly argument? And Jesus took a child and set him on his lap. And he said, unless you become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. How often we adults struggle to believe the simple truths of scripture. It's too, we're too sophisticated. We're too intelligent. We're too something to believe. We have to believe because that's the way